FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello, my dear people. Welcome to FaithFit Radio Ex Nihilo a podcast for the Diocese of Orlando. This is Father Martin, your host. And Steve Buckland, your co-host. Greetings. Greetings in the New Year's. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. Yes, that just finally is wrapping up. So, Oh, it's just wonderful because Steve took me to a nice German restaurant, and I, for the first time I actually got to try real German food, and it was awesome. Yes, there was nothing left on his plate. He ordered the largest plate you could have possibly ordered, the king's plate. Three sausages, three sides, three drinks, four desserts, and all of it was gone. And then to top it off, he ate the head off a pig. (laughs) Way to make me look bad, Steve. (laughs) Go to confession. Oh, right. (laughs) Well, we're leading up towards the uh, the week uh, of prayer for Christian unity, and today we have the privilege of having a very special, very special guest. And I'd like to introduce us all to uh, Bishop uh, Gregory Brewer, the Bishop of um, the Episcopal Diocese um, of Central Florida. Of Central Florida. Yeah. All right, Bishop, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about yourself uh, so that our audience could uh, get a better idea of who you are and what you do? Sure. I am diocesan bishop, which means that I am primarily chief pastor to 86 congregations in 15 counties in the central Florida region. Orlando is Sea City, but it goes all the way down to Port St. Lucie, Ormond Beach, Lakeland, Okeechobee. So we cover a lot of different territories. And um, what I really love actually about what I do is that I get, get to be involved in a lot of people's lives. I am primarily, as I said, a pastor. And that's where I spend most of my time as opposed to a, a lot of administration. Uh, I am married. My wife and I have five sons, uh, most of whom now live in New York City. And uh, we travel together when we go from parish to parish, and it's a ministry we share in that regard. And it's a joy. I am in my fifth year as the Bishop of Central Florida. And so, and I used to live here a while ago, and in fact, married a Florida native. And so we know the local Central Florida area extremely well. My wife actually grew up in College Park here in Orlando. And so she's a very, she's a local and lots, has lots of those connections. So I do a lot of traveling, a lot of preaching, a lot of speaking, and spending time with people and listening to them and praying for them. Oh, that's beautiful. Just beautiful. And that's uh, one of the major part of our ministry, to be involved with the lives of the people, and certainly a great, greatest blessing. You guys are the caretakers of the souls. What can, I, what can we say? I know. And then you have souls like mine you have to take care of, and so the job gets exponentially larger. No, Steve, we entrust you <laughs> to someone Only if you're willing greater. to pay attention to what your clergy tell you. Though. <laughs> Which bishop uh, is not doing a very good job at it, but uh, we forgive him, merciful as we are. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Steve, do you have any questions? Well, uh, yes. So so you mentioned the uh, the Episcopal Diocese of Central Florida. Could you tell us just a little bit about about the Episcopal Church? So where kind of where does it come from? Sure. Well, the where does it come from? Where does it well, come the Episcopal from? Church 
was formed actually right after the American Revolution. It is an extension of the Church of England. And so most of the oldest churches are in what was the original 13 colonies on the East Coast. The Episcopal Church now actually is a part of the Global Anglican Communion, which literally spans the planet. We serve under uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man by the name of Justin Welby in England, And then we have our own presiding bishop who oversees the Episcopal Church, a man by the name of Michael Curry, a native North Carolinian. Oh, wow. And um, there are, let's see, it encompasses all of the United States as well as some separate countries that are still under our – under our authority, like some places in Central America. Mm -hmm. And so we're relatively international in that sense. Although we're still, in fact, a part of the global communion and therefore relate at that kind of global level. So that, for example, at a recent gathering of the international consultation between Anglican Roman and Roman Catholic dialogue that was held in Rome not long ago, one of the American bishops, John Batterschmidt, was one of the people who was a part of that consultation. Oh, cool. Very um, cool. That's that's a great, um, a beautiful segue because... You know, one of our topics. And I'm trying had, to help you out here. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I, when everyone, so, whenever somebody throws me a softball, I'm like, oh, that's so juicy. He but, could just tell that we're clueless. <laughs> <laughs> but we have good intentions. Um, no, you know, as we talk about kind of Christian unity, I mean, so the Anglican Church obviously was started in, during during the time of the Reformation. Um, and uh, But there's so much about... The Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church, and the Catholic Church that are the same. You have diocese like we do, we have bishops, um, largely the same kind of loose organizational structure, many of the same practices. Um, the, the services are largely the same. The liturgies mm-hmm. look very similar. Um, and it's, it's what I think people don't realize is just how close we all really are as Christians, that the, 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 the things that separate us, um, while there are, are not insignificant, but there's so much more that binds us together as a body of Christ than divides us. We've come a long way. I mean, it's been centuries. I mean, initially, um, Church of England and Church of Rome were condemning each other as heretics. Right, sure. But (laughs) that takes us back to the 15th century. Right. Since then, especially through efforts that have happened through officially organized bodies of Anglicans and Roman Catholics, whether they be theologians working together around documents. And in local church efforts, there's been a tremendous amount of camaraderie, not only in terms of where we are liturgically and our understanding of our similar understanding around sacraments. There's also been a sense that we really do share a common mission and a common vision. Uh, So we can talk together about excuse me, working relationally together for the betterment of a city where we can participate in things, renewal efforts like Curcio and prayer things, prayer efforts that occur. So we really do, I sort of think of Anglicans and Roman Catholics as cousins. Yep. Um, Whether that's been ecclesiastically blessed or not is a different story. (laughs) No, but but it's a great image. But that's how I operate and think about that. It's a tremendous, I mean, you know, it's only, you know, you talk about hundreds of years. I mean, the good news is, is uh, the Patriarch of Constantinople and the Bishop of Rome, it only took a thousand years for them to unexcommunicate each other. So so really, you guys are on the fast track. That's right. right. So we're we're doing pretty well. Now, you did mention the camaraderie between the local churches, and I, I, I happen to be to know that uh, you and Bishop Noonan has 
had really, really good relationship since he came to the diocese. Would you share with us a few thoughts on uh, on the joint efforts of working with the Roman Diocese of Orlando and what it's like to to have the monthly gathering with the bishop and and, and to other strengthen yeah. and lo- other leaders to strengthen the bond of Christian unity, the bond of of common mission. I think what actually really binds us together is that what's central for us is that we both have deep commitments to serve Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and have a very lively personal faith. We share a common understanding of that faith, at least as it applies to the creeds. And so because of that, and that's common sense of mission, we actually have quite a lot to, in essence, work together on. So to do common services together around prayer missions, to be able to meet together in fellowship, which we do on a regular basis, and to talk about, well, what, how can we better serve the Orlando community together, uh, become easy because we already have those things in common. If there was a significant theological divide or we understood our relationships, personal relationships with Christ in a very, very different manner, mm-hmm. I'm not sure those kinds of common efforts could happen. But because we do share those things together, the rest can begin to, in some ways, really naturally fall into place because we both celebrate what we share in common, we respect the differences, mm-hmm. and we find a way through all of that to be able to work together. And the right. nice thing is we all want to end up in the same place. That's God true. being our helper. That's, that's, <laughs> right. that's right. And um, you, you uh, mentioned a very important fact because nowadays I, I, I come to think that we're not very good at uh, disagreeing with each other uh, as far as the culture-wise. Societally. Because, yeah. uh, societally speaking, because once you don't agree with, with what I believe or what I think, then you're against me. Well, not, that's not quite true because we can disagree on certain matters, but... The important thing is to to unite ourselves for a common purpose. One of the, I think, really tragic things that's happening to American culture, especially over the last two to three years, is a kind of tribalism where I only listen to the voices that completely agree with me. I surround myself with people who think like I do. And if you don't agree with me, then there must be something wrong with huh. you and the way you perceive things. You're just not thinking the way I am, which means you're not thinking correctly. And for us, particularly as Christian leaders, to say there is, in fact, more that unites us than divides us. And that we're not just so we're not just meeting together for the sake of enjoying each other's company. I think we're trying to say something important about how society should operate, as well as Christians, to say the things that are in common are so important to be cherished and lived out that the disagreements, while not unimportant, really do take a back seat to having that kind of common shared life together. Our hope is not only to be able to do that as fellow Christians, but to try to model something for the wider community that says we have more to share together than we do that divides, and that I think the hand of God is in that. You know, Jesus prayed that we would be one, and our hope is that in some small way to be a part of that answer. That's mm-hmm. really our goal. Now, that's a tall order. <laughs> but I think I think just even to begin to make those efforts and to think more and more creatively and prayerfully about what we might be able to do together, I think assists us not just in the strengthening of our own 
relationships with each other, but it provides a common witness to the world that I think the world needs to see, especially in this climate where there is so much hostile division. Yeah, I, you know, when you think, I mean, you everything you brought up, just kind of all these thoughts kind of pour into my head, but what really surfaces is kind of this notion that as disciples of Christ, we're, we're first and foremost called to love God and love each other with a Christ-like love. And if you're a Christian, that's kind of, that's your job, you know? And, and every example that we can provide uh, for people to see it, to have something that's modeled, um, is a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Every, every effort we can do, even these little things, little acts of kindness, little acts of friendship, little acts of coming together, um, most importantly, not because of, but in spite of our differences, to say, look, I don't necessarily agree with you everything, but I love you, you're my brother is something that we need a lot more of. I I think in some ways it really comes out of our own personal submission to Christ. Because if I understand that I can be rebellious, I can be bullheaded, I can be insensitive, and yet in the midst of all of that in my own life, I know that Jesus's love for me does not change. And that his care for me is larger than all of my both misguided actions as well as wrong opinions, even those that I might really cherish, actually. Um, I noticed Father Martin nodding a lot when you said bullheaded. Yeah, it's, well. it's the common human condition. What can I say? So if, if I know that that's how Jesus treats me, then that gives me a new capacity, it seems to me. It's an act of grace to actually begin to look at other Christians and not automatically see how we're different, mm-hmm. but also understand that they also, just like me, both share the brokenness of my human condition and incredible recipients of that sort of love. I think it's that kind of common understanding that allows us to, what's St. Paul's phrase, to make allowances for one another because we love each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And therefore, love is not just not only a duty, it becomes a gift that we share together. Because I think that's what Jesus wants of us. Amen. Yeah. My mind is absolutely blown right now. (laughs) No, that (laughs) absolutely. Well, one of the things that we were talking about earlier, um, one kind of recent example of of the coming together of of many Christians was the Pulse shooting that happened last year. Bishop, it it was uh, one of the defining uh, events that sort of put a a mark on my priesthood. I had just gotten out of school. And it was only 10 days after my ordination uh, when I was down Palm Beach and I got the news that there was a shooting happened in Orlando. And I rushed right back. And the very next day, I I went to the the assistance center for the families to be with the families of the victims. And I I, honestly, I was scared. I was scared out of my mind because nothing in the nine years formation that I had prepared me for something like this. And I spent six hours being with the families and trying to comfort this poor mother. Um, then later that evening, we uh, the diocese put together a prayer service. And, and honestly, I came and I was exhausted. Uh, but one of the very moving moments was when Bishop Noonan, hand in hand with all the faith leaders of the community, at the end, hold hand in hands and just... It, it seems to me like highlighting the fact that we're together and we're working our best to mend 
the wound that was inflicted on our family, uh, on our um, city, our community. Uh, if I may ask, uh, you being there and being present at, at the prayer service, would you share with us some of your thoughts and, uh, and reflection on the event and on the prayer service itself? Sure. I actually was in Louisville, Kentucky, on the Saturday evening that the Pulse shooting took place. I got on the airport on Sunday to fly back to Orlando. And, of course, uh, Twitter, Twitter, all the social media was blowing up. Plus, I'd gotten a call from one of our deacons at the cathedral asking to be relieved of her duties at the Eucharist so that she could be present at the uh, ORMC medical hospital where all of the trauma victims were being taken. Mm-hmm. And so immediately we had, we jumped in. And so, and, and I had a personal conviction and well, it's, I think it's a Christian conviction that to speak out of the song of Solomon, love is stronger than death. Mm-hmm. And therefore it is because of that love and what that that's re- demonstrated in Jesus's own victory over death that really allows us with faith and genuine compassion to be present in places where there's deep tragedy and to be able to serve in the midst of those kinds of really horrible situations with that sort of compassion and care. So I knew that we needed to be involved so that whether it was presiding at a funeral, serving together with Bishop Nunes at the ecumenical service and the other things that began to happen very quickly over about a two-week period, Mm -hmm. I knew that if, where would Jesus go? It seems to me that's where Jesus would go, right. to be with the hurting and the broken. And, and the moment that you're describing at the prayer service at St. James Cathedral really demonstrated that love is stronger than death idea because we were there, candles lit, light in the midst of darkness, to right. saying there really is something more powerful on the planet than violence, than murder, and hatred. Sure. And that actually is the love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. And we're here to demonstrate that together. And that, to me, was one of the best parts of what happened that night. And there were other churches that came as well, right? Yes, yes. We had folks from First Baptist, I think, First Methodist was here. I mean, I think we had a, a rabbi and, um, and an imam. An That's imam. Right. That's right. So not just Christians, but religious leaders from all different walks of faith. All of whom came at Bishop Nunes' invitation which is beautiful. And for me, really, that was the best example of what it it means to set aside the differences and come together to show that love is, in fact, stronger than death, stronger than hatred, stronger than anything else, because God himself is love. Mm. And And the sad thing is, is unfortunately, we always seem to come together over the tragedies. But hopefully, you know, we take some momentum out of it, that, that that good can be hatched from from the bad, that, that in the coming together to serve people in times of crisis, we can remember those bonds as we go forward to work together, as we were talking about earlier, just with other things, other ways to kind of show the community that the love of Christ is out there, no matter what walk you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways that's the opportunity of the aftermath, to be able to say, we are committed to really finding ways to serve together. So in the midst of this pulse shooting atmosphere, what are the ways that we can work together so that Orlando is a better place? And not only Orlando is a better place, but in some ways be a model for a community where religious leaders work together. Beautiful. Now, our time is uh, quickly approaching. So 
since our ta targeted audience is the young adults, is there any thoughts, any um, uh, instruction, any exhortations that you would like to leave uh, our young adults uh, who are struggling daily to really live their faith and uh, fall in love with Jesus Christ? I, I, one of the handles on my Twitter feed is I want to talk with people who are interested in Jesus but might have a problem with the church. And more often than not, that's a dilemma that a lot of modern people face. They've been disappointed and sometimes even deeply hurt by things that they've experienced from Christians and that actually mars their capacity to be able to see Jesus for who he is. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways what that asks of us is to be able to sit down with people and to listen carefully, not just about the history that they've had that has been difficult, but also to say, in the light of that, to lead them to Jesus. How does that cause you to see Jesus? And so if I were to speak to particularly to young adults, I would say, you've got to look at Jesus. All of the rest of us are broken. All of us make extraordinary mistakes. Don't live up to the commitments that we have made. And we harm people. Uh, that's true for them as well. It's just that the weight is more on our shoulders because of who we are as public figures. Right. And so, yeah. so how can we get past that in a way that allows you to not be the victim of other people's hurts, but to be able to look at Jesus for who he is and out of that begin to form a relationship with him, especially in spite of the ways that you might have been mistreated by people who are supposed to be representing him. Sure. This is the conversation that I've had several times mm. with with people who've been deeply, deeply wounded and hurt by the church. And truly, uh, what St. Paul said is is at crucial here, that keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. And I want to say that it's possible. I mean, I come as someone who in his young adult years was deeply hurt and disappointed by church people. And... And so I want to say it really is possible to grow and develop and have a joyous relationship with Christ uh, in spite of some of those terrible examples and to be able to really serve well even inside the church. Beautiful. Well, we're concluding this, this week's uh, podcast, but I would very much like to one day bring the bishop back again. Would you be interested? Sure, I'd be happy to come back. And thank hopefully you. we can get our bishop to join in the conversation as well. But once again, thank you so much for accepting you, our bishop. invitation. And it's such an honor of speaking with you, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. All right. And that wraps us up for this week. Thank oh. you, Father Martin. All right, folks. Go on every day, love God and love our neighbors, and remember always that God loves you. Amen. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.